This next round podcast is presented by Roback Activewear. From performance polos to the performance hoodies and the performance Q-Zips, Roback is the best fit and the best fill. Use code TNR20 at Roback.com for 20% off your first order. That's R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. 20% off all polos, hoodies, and Q-Zips with the code TNR20. And make sure to check out the Roback print polos. They have you feeling good all year round. Tom Luganbill. I'm just Jim Dunaway as we get going today. A lot to get to. Alabama's quarterback is Milrow. Texas is coming to town. We had a shocker for some SEC folks last night. Had a shocker for some SEC folks on Saturday night. And then I unpacked my Louie to dig out this t-shirt because if I don't believe, I'm going to get called out in a news conference by the hottest coach in college football. We'll talk to Lug and Bill about Colorado in a second, too. But Lugs, welcome in on a Monday morning live presented by our friends at mybookie.ag. Let's start with the thing we saw last which was last night in orlando florida state second half battle of two top 10 teams and oh my goodness florida state looked good they looked really really good and i think you know i think sometimes halftime adjustments can be an overblown phrase sometimes you come out and it's just about executing and, and not making the mistakes you made in the first half. But then there's other times where you kind of do change things around. And I thought when Florida State started to get into more two-back stuff and started running Jordan Travis, um, that was when they started creating a, a ton of problems. And I think the one thing that stands out to me, maybe more so than anything else, was Florida State was way more physical than LSU. Florida State beat LSU up. And whether it was their skill guys, whether it was at the point of attack, there was just a different mentality from from the Seminoles. And the longer the game went on, the better they got. And the longer the game went on, the more mistakes LSU made. And I, I said on my Sunday show on Sirius XM, I said, we can't, we can't, if you're LSU, have Jaden Daniels regress like he did from his freshman to his sophomore to his junior year at Arizona State. He was really good as a freshman, and then he regressed. And then I'm watching him last night. I'm going, he looks like Jaden Daniels as a sophomore at Arizona State. So there's a lot of work to be done for LSU. Obviously, um, far from a a, a uh, season-ending loss in terms of what's to come, but credit Florida State, it was impressive. Yeah, hey, Ohio State lost in Week 2 in 2014. Alabama lost in Week 13 in 2017. Both those teams in the playoff era went on to win a national championship. So it's not over for LSU. But you talk about physical. Uh, yeah. Just, I think they may have a problem at the corners. You know, all the portal success we saw in Boulder and other places, um, there was a, some mismatches in just how physical and how big the Florida State receivers were against those corners. And, and you know, House kept leaving them out on an island one on one, and uh, yeah. it was it was challenging. And and but but they didn't they didn't live up to the billing of what I think Brian Kelly thought he had. 
Yeah, they certainly, uh, there were some mismatches, and I don't even think it was just on the outside. I think with Jaheen Bell, and even when they when they put Johnny Wilson on the inside, you have such an athletic mis- mismatch between the hashes and between the numbers, and that was exposed as well. And where Jordan Travis, I thought, did a really nice job is the few times we saw LSU just sit back and you know keep their eyes forward, play some zone, change it up a little bit. Jordan Travis was very decisive, and they did a great job of just running to open space, sitting down. A great example of that was on the uh, first drive, uh, the throw to, uh, right off to the right hash, and they just do a little option route, just sat down in the open hole, and Jordan Travis got back, got the ball out of his hand, boom, they're off and running. But it was one of those scenarios in the passing game for me where it was – where do we want to go with the ball because we have more than one option? Yeah. Like that, that's how glaring at times it was to me. All right. And Keon Coleman, uh, out of the portal to Florida State. Um, how, I mean, I remember a lot of teams wanted this guy and he chose yeah. Florida State and Florida State chose him. However, it works coming out of the portal. Um, what a difference maker this guy was last night. When you, when you put him out there with Johnny, Johnny Wilson as well, you talk about the weapons. They had a guy running the ball that was back. They had Wilson back on the edge. They have Travis pulling the trigger. And then you add Keon Coleman in the mix, and he was better than advertised, right? Yeah, he, he was. And, uh, you know, to credit Florida State, you have to really applaud the homework and the guys they've targeted that they've brought in in the transfer portal, because whether it was Johnny Wilson last year, Keon Coleman uh, this year, Jared Verse, they the guys they've targeted have significantly improved their football team. But sometimes you can go out, let's just say you bring in a bunch of guys, and a couple of them might pan out, right? And maybe some of the other ones just provide depth, or uh, they're they're you know somewhat of an upgrade, but they're not going to be a star for you. It's like every guy Florida State's brought in has emerged in some way to become a star for the football team. And it's it's just impressive the work they've done in the offseason and how quickly they've turned around the mentality there. I, I, I think one of the other things I came away impressed with was they lived up to everybody patting them on the back, yeah. right? They, they, they showed up, and it was a little rocky early. Okay, that's fine. We saw that all across college football, which you can expect in week one. But they just got better and better and better and answered the toll. I mean, some teams would have been caught up in that. Some teams who maybe haven't had that type of adulation and praise heaped upon them uh, regularly would have maybe folded or not risen to the occasion. Florida State was anything but. We'll get to some of your reaction in the Vulcan Tire and Automotive chat room in just a second. But one more point on Florida yeah. State last night. And listen, uh, I know LSU led 17-14 at the half. Um, and it ends up being 45-24. Uh, so I don't think LS, LSU's season's in the, in the trash yet, right? Uh, we're, we're not going to overreact there. This is, this is all praise on Florida State for me. You coached the game. You played the game at a high level. You've covered it for ESPN for over a decade. Um, fourth down. No, two decades. Two decades. <laughs> God, we're getting old. Fourth down and two on the LSU 42. It's 17-17, and Mike Norvell – Goes for it without blinking an eye. Uh, he had a great play call, I thought. Uh, he, his whole night was great play calls. What yeah. do you think of that decision there? And I assume you're like just about everyone else. That was maybe the turning point in the game. It was the turning point. Did you say plus 42? Yeah, the they, were, they were on the LSU 42-yard line. 
Correct. Yeah. And that has kind of become the zone the last couple of years. You know, when we prepare for games and we're sitting down and we're talking with coaches and, and, you know, maybe a decade ago, you never, you never asked a coach in a meeting, well, what, what becomes four down territory for you? And now, now you do, and it becomes a real conversation. And these coaches have studied, they've studied these areas of the field and they've realized what the percentages are over time of making a field goal of that length punting and then getting a three and out or going for it on offense. And they're starting to realize that the percentage is way in their favor. So the area of the field is, is critical. And you'll talk to guys say between some, some it's between the 50 and the 40 other it's between like the 45 and the 38 and they're, they're running the numbers and they've got all of the, the metrics and the data to back it up. So if that's what the, the there's their background and their research tells them, that's why there's no flinch. There doesn't need to be. They just know when we get into this spot, we are playing with four downs. Yep, and and play caller as a head coach worked out great last night for Florida State. For all you Knowles who have been out in the uh, out in the wilderness since Alabama beat you uh, to open up the 2017 season, <laughs> welcome back to the conversation for a college football playoff. Great start for them, 45-24. Reaction in the uh, Vulcan Tire and Automotive chat room. Losing like that is never a good sign, Jimmy, talking about LSU for the rest of the season. Brett, a uh, great truck driver who's working on Labor Day out and about today. BK has to deal with an entitled feeling team for once after last year's surprising win of the SEC West. Riley says, Florida State was just running over LSU, especially at the end. Literally, yeah. and you brought that up the the the, yeah. phys- the how physical they were against LSU. You know, we portray this, we paint this, uh, we paint this image in the uh, in the in the media and down south. I'm I'm probably you know the flag waver more of, of the SEC than anything that we play a more physical style. Uh, we we are the best at everything, and it was not a great weekend for the SEC. Three high profile games. Now Florida's projected at the bottom of the SEC. They got it handed to them by Utah. But North Carolina, South Carolina, we'll get more into that game later. Uh, North Carolina beat them handily. And then this high-profile game last night, it was not a good start for the Southeastern Conference. Well, it, it wasn't. And I go back to to something Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, said this summer at, the, at their kickoff uh uh, classic or kickoff meetings in, in Charlotte, and he was 100% right. And to this point, his conference is delivered. And essentially what he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, was you want to change the narrative of of how you're viewed as a conference? Then when you have these big non-conference games, you have to go out and win them. You have, North Carolina needs to beat South Carolina. Florida State needs to beat LSU, right? NC State's going to be playing Notre Dame coming up. Miami and Texas A&M's coming up. You go out and you win those games, you change perception, you change the narrative of how your conference is viewed. And to your point, Jim, not a good weekend for the SEC, a very good weekend for the Pac-12 and the ACC, and it's one weekend. Yep. One. One weekend, and Alabama gets Texas and Tuscaloosa this weekend, uh, one of the biggest games in the country. Uh, Question of the morning brought to you by our friends at Slice, and then we'll get to Colorado, then to Alabama, Auburn, and everything else going on in college football. Our friends at Slice, four great locations, the newest one in Crestline, the OG right there in the uh, Lakeview area, Montevallo, and also in Vestavia. Vestavia one's mine. Great pizza. Um, The Hot Mama's my favorite. Swing by there for lunch. 
you get a slice and a salad. It's perfect for lunch uh, uh, when you go back to work on Tuesday as we're live here on this Labor Day easy to go as well always take those home or take them to your tailgate the great folks at slice check them out the question i'm going to ask you as we put a bow on florida state's win over lsu is harold perkins who was the most i mean he was dynamic last year for lsu he was on an edge last year he got moved inside they were going to move him around everywhere and until ryan brown tweeted it last night my co-worker on the next round um when her when Herb Street pointed out, hey, they're 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 reading Harold Perkins and playing off Harold Perkins. That was the first time, and that was deep into the second half. That was the first time I'd heard Harold Perkins. I'd forgot about Harold Perkins. Yeah, uh, is there a chance before they play their next meaningful game, LSU redesigns and gets Harold Perkins back to the edge? Well, what Herbie was referencing there is sometimes when you're, there's a player that you can't account for or that you can't block. You don't block him. You put him in a conflict of assignment where he can't be right. So when they were going at him in the sense of not attacking him, not trying to run at him, none of that, they're actually using him, all right, as the guy that they're playing off of. And it it neutralizes what is otherwise one of the most disruptive players that we saw at least at the end of last year and coming into this game in college football on the defensive side of the ball. But you know, this is often, I remember this being done with the Bosa brothers at Ohio State, too. It's like, well, we can't block that guy, right? So let's zone read him. Let's let's not block him. Let's force him to either commit to one thing or the other and make him wrong every time. And that's where Florida State got really smart and they realized, instead of having to contend with this guy, let's put him in a position where he can't win. Yeah. It did, uh, real quickly, did did teams do that to Will Anderson a little bit last year? Oh, there's no question. I'm sure some teams did. And and, and you, you can't do it on a regular basis because obviously it's going to be a part of the game plan. But it can be something that can be very frustrating for that player, right? Because he wants to come off the ball and do what he does. But then he's going to realize real quickly that nobody's he should be getting blocked and he's not. And now somebody's putting him in a position where he's going to have to choose. And that can be demoralizing as well. MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.ag brings you Monday morning live. He's Tom Luganbill. I'm Jim Dunaway. This is our week two episode. We're live on a Labor Day, and the it was it was the most entertaining game on Saturday. And obviously, we talked a lot about Colorado going in to the season. <laughs> and you 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 had some comments. I did not think they would compete for a bowl game this year. Maybe a bowl game in year two, maybe in year four, they would have a roster and a team for Deion Sanders in Boulder because that program was so far down. Maybe then they can start having a conversation about competing for eventually a Big 12 championship when they get to the Big 12. But in in one outing, three stars on that roster that you said last week, they had a quarterback. Uh, they had they had some they had a they had a yeah they had a corner and receiver and they had a running back. You you mentioned those three stars, but away those three stars were amazing. The rest of that roster stepped up better than expected in week one as Colorado goes in and beats number seventeen TCU in a entertaining football game. Certainly on the offensive side of the ball, yes, absolutely. They have, I think, a handful of elite players that they can get into space and create a lot of problems. We all saw that, okay? What I was came away so impressed with was offensive coordinator Sean Lewis and the game plan, not just around Shador Sanders, 
but how they worked so tirelessly to spread the field horizontally and get the ball hands and into the hands of a Dylan Edwards, into the hands of a Travis Hunter, and two or three others that they had. We have four receivers, each have 100 yards in, in, in receiving. And it was a sight to behold. And I, I listen, I went right, I went right on the internet, went right on Twitter. I said, all right, let me have it. I deserve it. I, I, I own it and I do own it. And, and I poorly phrased my comments last week. I'm not backtracking from them. I said it. All right. Um, and I was, you know, really at the, at the heart of my comments referencing depth, not 10 or 12 guys, but the other 70. Okay. That I still don't know if we truly know about what we do know is that. And what I realized real quickly was they have enough skill to cause problems, particularly in the Pac-12, because clearly they can score, right? They can move the ball, and they can score. And in doing so, they're likely going to be able, if they can sustain drives, and sometimes it's great to have big explosive plays, which they had, but the defense is also going to need for them to sustain some drives. Um, it was, I, in my opinion, the most exciting game of the weekend. And it it revealed a lot. I I'm very curious as you look at because I don't think it's worth in this discussion, Jim. I don't know if a you know assessing TCU. I mean, this wasn't about TCU. This is about what Colorado did. I mean, it, it really was. And I know TCU didn't go out and play their best. That's fine. All right, but Colorado made more plays and fewer mistakes. All right. And at the end of the day, they they played better football. All right. They had better quarterback play. And I think the, in, in fairness, because this is the question that you have to start asking yourself going forward. Right. Because it's a, it's a long season. Right. And Deion Sanders and his staff know that it's a long season. How do you manage Travis Hunter's reps? Right. Hundred and twenty nine plays. You know, there will be a lot of people that will say that's not sustainable. Like, he's going to get hurt. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But I'll say this. Forget the 129 plays. It was over 100 degrees on that field. Can you imagine the cardiovascular condition that kid must be in? Oh. I mean, it, it was remarkable. It was remarkable, right? So I, you you got you to be cautious, I think, about that. They're going to have to come up with some balance in offense. You know, they were only able to, they, they, they rushed for 1.6 yards a carry. And uh, that's something that I think they've got to balance up. And then on the defensive side, they're going to start playing some teams in that conference, right? And maybe not this week, uh, from what we saw from Minnesota and Nebraska last week, but they gave up 265 yards on the ground. Last year, they averaged giving up 245 yards a game. So this is just one game, but it's an area that's going to have to be uh, addressed. That's, All of those things are realities, Jim. Yep. They're realities. But another reality is this team completely as totally bought in to what's been being sold. And I applaud that. I'll be the first one in line to say that. And I was really happy for their kids. I was happy for their program because it's been, what, 18 years with two winning seasons and one win of a bowl game? That's a long drought, man. Yeah, it reminded me of watching uh, the Pete Carroll USC team that had so many stars on it. Shadur Sanders was a school record 
510 yards, four touchdowns, uh, 38 of 47 there. Dylan Edwards, who you rated tremendously on your ESPN 300. Yeah. Dude, his his stop-and-go speed just oh. blew, blew, blew TCU's defender's mind. It was amazing. His 0-60 to is uh, fantastic. And, you know, all of those guys, Shadur, Travis, and... And Dylan, all of them were Under Armour All-Americans that we had invited and targeted and brought down, played in the game with us. And um, so you you knew going in who those guys were going to be, right? I think the two guys that that, that uh, came in and transferred in from USF clearly were an upgrade, all right? They did a nice job. So, again, the skill to get in space for this offense is there. Add some balance, try to work the run game in more. And then see that if they can settle in on defense and, and, and get off the field a couple of times. Because if they can get off the field a couple of times and put that offense back on the field and the offense stays healthy, gonna be it, it's going to be fun to watch each each and every week. Yeah. Matt Rule had to have been going, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. I, I'll tell you I'll, one more thing before we move on from Colorado here. Um on Travis Hunter, not only was he on the field, Luke. You know, I've I've lived to some guys who played both ways in my lifetime, mm-hmm. and you know they would occasionally play an offensive play or occasionally play a defensive play or return a kick, do this, do that. But not only did he play on both sides of the ball and all those snaps in that heat and stuff, but my goodness, he made big plays on both sides oh. of the football. That inter the first of all the the, the hustle from the other hash mark to save the tackle. On, yep. on the runaway, which is just a full gut hustle play, a baller play. There, you don't. There are a lot of superstars who don't even try to chase them down when you're playing that many snaps. He chases the runner down and makes the tackle. But the interception that he made, uh, you know, we talked about the the fourth down play in the Florida State game, maybe the game changer. To me, that mm-hmm. was the game changer. That that's that's what gave Colorado the boost to win the game. That interception where. Yep. I, I think Joel Klatt's mouth is still open that he was surprised because he said as a quarterback, I throw that pass 100 out of 100 times. He is open, and, and yeah. Travis makes that interception. And he should have had a second one. Yep. Do you remember when he was covering the curl route and he literally turned around and ran the route for the target <laughs> and put his hands in the, and, and, and he was so frustrated because he knew he should have caught it. He should have had that one too. But, yeah, he is uh, he's a bona fide first-rounder. Um, and I, I think it's, would it be fair to say there was not a more impressive, spectacular performance in all of college football on the weekend than what he, than what he pulled off? No, uh, it's, it's must, I must watch TV. And if I don't have a Heisman yeah. vote this year, that guy right now is, you know, it's after week one, he's at the top just cause he's must see TV. I, I got to watch him. I got to watch him. Right. Got to watch him. I got to watch him. All right. Uh, to Alabama and everything else going on in college football, including Hugh Freeze's big wins. Right after I tell you about our friends at Way to Wellness, Way to Wellness, your journey to healthy living. Maybe you want to jumpstart a weight loss as you get a little bit older here. It becomes harder to drop some weight. Uh, football season is a great time to start this. Or maybe you want to do it right after football season and get ready for next, you know, summer of 2024. But for me, it was blood pressure and cholesterol. Uh, my diet changed and my blood pressure and cholesterol numbers are fantastic. Had a checkup this week. You can get that from Leslie and her board certified team at Way to Wellness, your journey to healthy living. Just go to this website, aplanforme.com, aplanforme.com. Uh, right there, you'll get a free consultation, no contract. You can stop anytime, no sign up fees, no out of pocket. Every plan is designed specifically 
for you. That is Way to Wellness, your journey to healthy living. He's Tom Luganville. I'm Jim Dunaway uh, in Tuscaloosa. Biggest game in the country this week is Texas coming to play Alabama. And Jalen Milrow apparently is the guy. 13 of 18 passing, 194. He threw three touchdowns. He ran a couple in, ran for 48 yards. You look at Jalen Milrow. Tell me what you saw with that Alabama offense this week uh, outmatching Middle Tennessee 56-7. to I thought he looked very confident. He looked like he belonged. I was really impressed with his downfield accuracy. I thought he had poise uh, in the pocket, especially on it was it might have been the second deep touchdown where he had to really kind of hang in there on that one, and and he didn't flush and he and he just dropped a dime in the back corner of the end zone. I thought that was really really impressive. And and in fairness, Nick Saban even said this. He goes, you know, those windows are going to close. As the level of competition goes up, you know, and, 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 and they are. And so, but I thought for a storyline that was so spoken about this summer, about who the quarterback's going to be and, and, you know, reports coming out that one day it's this guy, the next day it's that guy, and neither guy's taking the reins. And Nick Saban said, hey, force, force us to play you. It, you kind of thought that what we would see would be some inconsistencies and what we thought we were hearing all throughout camp, and that was no wonder they can't settle on a guy. And that I, I, I don't I didn't see any of that. Like I felt like he just the kid took advantage of the opportunity, wasn't going to allow the other guys in the competition to get on the field due to his lack of performance. And I'll tell you, Jim, he is a runner changes things for that offense it puts people in a huge huge bind and and i'm not i'm not just talking about like the improvisational plays like the botch snap that ended up you know being the touchdown i'm talking about when they decide to line up and say all right maybe we're gonna get two back do a little bit what we talked about with florida state with jordan travis and run him like he's a part of the game plan dude that's they're going to be a problem to handle. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that on one play. He didn't pitch it. He kept it and ran the ball. Uh, I thought to myself, wow, you could see a lot of that against Texas until they stop it coming up this week. It was almost a, a, a little sneak peek there of what you could see from that offense coming up. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, too, can be by design sometimes to get it on film to say, okay, we could get optioned. All right, we could see quarterback counter. We could see quarterback lead. We could We could see... Jet sweep motions and and screens going to the boundary. There was there's a lot there was a lot in place to have to prepare for, and then probably still plenty that was held back to you know deliver this coming week versus te- versus Texas. But yeah, if you are if you're Texas on defense, you're you're going to have your hands full because Rice didn't do any of those types of things. Rice did not have that type of player at that position, and so. Uh, a lot to prepare for in one week. Yeah, uh, LT's neighbor, Deontay Lawson, maybe Bama's best player, Michael checking in. Uh, was nice to see a well-called offense had rhythm to it. Uh, talk a little bit about that. A young offensive coordinator replacing Bill O'Brien. You know, Alabama fans, you know, I think they're the St. Louis Cardinal fans of college football. There's very, you know, they spend a lot of time watching their tide, uh, and they're very smart, and they never liked the way Bill O'Brien stacked the game with Bryce Young at quarterback. It just didn't seem like one play, you know, set up another play down the road. What did you think of the play calling? And obviously it was just a, a sneak peek maybe of what Tommy can do down the road. I, I, I thought he did a fine job. I thought he was efficient. Um, they knew what they were doing. They knew where they wanted to go. 
Um, the opponent can always help a play caller when you just outman somebody because it's it's you just got flat out better players than you, so you can even cover up mistakes or you can mask things that maybe normally would would show up. But I I I was impressed. I I thought they were very diverse in their formations. I thought they did some shifts and some motions, some things that give you a lot to prepare for and a lot to look at. And it, it is a good point when you have something set up the next thing, which then may set up the next thing. And maybe may, they didn't have enough of that a year ago. And and remember Nick Saban, I think this summer said they were they were too too reliant upon Bryce Young. And I may not be saying that exactly correctly, but where they were too Bryce Young heavy or centric, as I believe what he said, where now they're going to, I think, have to get away from that a little bit because, number one, this guy's not Bryce Young. Yeah, he is not Bryce Young, but he's Jalen Milrow and uh, five touchdowns, Alabama school record, first Alabama player ever to score, pass for three and run two in. Uh, he did that defense before we take our only break of the show, and we'll get to the rest of college football coming up after the break. Uh, but the defense has got playmakers. Um, I thought Terry and Arnold had a good game. That was where a lot yep. of Alabama fans were pointing at how will Arnold play when he's on an island. First play, MTSU had seen some of the tape last year from a game or two, and they went right after him. He made a great play on the edge there. But the linebackers, have, they have everybody talking, in, including Deontay Lawson. Um, tell me what you saw from that Bama defense. Again, only against Middle Tennessee, not not like teams, but it was a – um, a, a, a team that only lost five games last year. They they made it to a bowl game. So mm-hmm. it's not the worst first game opponent, but the defense ran around and I was really impressed with the linebackers. Yeah, and I think coming in, you knew the linebackers. That's where the strength was going to be. And it, it's a little reminiscent of some of those those teams that had like a Tim Williams, Rashawn Evans type of guy where the linebackers were essentially pass rushers. Right, They're just playing off the ball. And they can, they're really diverse in the things they can do with them. And they've got multiple. So now your pressure packages, you're in the box uh, play versus the run. They're really, really, really sound tacklers. I think that's the other thing. But they do, they remind me of stand up pass rushers across the board. Yep. Hidden, hidden yards, man. You got to, you got to cut those down. Make that the first guy, make the tackle. And, uh, that saves you, uh, lots of yardage in college football. Alabama, Texas, the talk of college football all week coming into Bryant Denny. Quick break here. When we come back on the other side, Hugh Freeze wins his first game. We've got some quarterbacks to talk about in the SEC. Carson Beck and Joe Milton making their debut. Uh, and a lot more on the biggest stories in college football is Monday morning live, uh, brought to you by our friends at more. Uh, brought to you by our friends at mybookie.ag mybookie.ag title sponsor of our show here also by our friends at gutter cap a patented aluminum cover system that fits over most existing gutters to keep out debris and eliminate gutter cleaning backed with a lifetime warranty as well almost 20 years of service record right here in birmingham stay off that dangerous ladder forever 45 percent off your retail price right now if you go to guttercapbirmingham.com guttercapbirmingham.com call our good friend chris stewart as well that phone number is 205-823-2212 guttercapbirmingham.com this is monday morning live Start your day online with our website, nextroundlive.com. The latest videos, podcasts, and college football stories. It's also a great way to stream the show or shop in the Next Round store. Stay connected by visiting nextroundlive.com. That's nextroundlive.com. 
It's NBA time, Birmingham, as we hoop it up with the New Orleans Pelicans and Houston Rockets, October 12th at Legacy Arena. Single-game tickets are now available. Visit BirminghamSquadron.com or call 205-719-0850 for more information or to buy tickets. And the game is packed with former local players like Herb Jones and Kyra Lewis Jr. and Jabari Smith and other superstars like Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. You can also become a Squadron Season ticket holder to get complimentary tickets to this huge event right here in the Magic City. The Pelicans preseason game in Birmingham sold out last year, so get your tickets as soon as possible. Do that online at BirminghamSquadron.com or by calling 205-719-0850. October 12th, it's the Pelicans and Rockets at Legacy Arena right here in Birmingham. BirminghamSquadron.com. We've partnered with Who Is Coffee to create the next round blend. Available in light, medium, and dark roast. 100% Arabica beans. Specialty coffee roasted on demand. Available in whole bean or ground for drip pods. Espresso and coarse ground for French press. Go to nextround.store to get a link to pre-order today. Everyone that pre-orders will be entered to win a prize pack with coffees, shirts, hats, and tumblers. Nextround.store for the next round blend. Hey, Lance Taylor from the next round. You've heard me for years talk about our friends at Bromberg's Jewelers, and we welcome you to stop by and see that great customer service at the Mountain Brook and Summit locations, but we'd also love for you to check out their new online shop. They've got plenty to choose from, great gifts, big and small. Available online, they've got David Yurman, Tudor Watches, Select Diamond and Gemstone Jewelry, William Henry, seasonal and favorite giftware items and baby gifts as well. They've even got an online sale section. For more information, Bromberg's.com. Hey, Lance Taylor from the next round to tell you about our friends at Gutter Cap. Gutter Cap's that patented aluminum cover system that fits over most existing gutters to keep out debris and eliminate that gutter cleaning. It's back with a lifetime warranty, almost 20-year service record right here in Birmingham. Stay off that dangerous ladder forever. 45% off the retail price now if you call. GutterCapBirmingham.com. Call my good friend Chris Stewart now, 205-823-2212. Cap it, don't snap it, it's Gutter Cap. The wait is over. Tonali has arrived. Beautifully distinctive Italian styling and performance. Come test drive the all-new 2024 Alfa Romeo Tonali plug-in hybrid at Alfa Romeo of Birmingham. The all-new Tonali offers best-in-class horsepower and torque. Fastest 0 to 60 times in its class. Plus best-in-class range with full electric charge. And best of all, qualified Tonali leasees are eligible for up to $7,500 EV tax credit factored into your lease. Hurry down to Alfa Romeo of Birmingham and experience the all-new Tonali. Officially over the weekend, the ACC added SMU, Cal, and Stanford. Uh, the Pac-12 or the Mountain West Conference, whatever they're going to end up being, likely going to add Oregon State and Washington State, but lawyers are looking at contracts right now to see if it's more profitable uh, because of existing contracts to uh, for Oregon State and Washington State to somehow hold on to that Pac-12 name. That'll be interesting to watch over the next few weeks. Well, we're here with Tom Luganville to talk about football. Before we get back to Luke's, a couple of our great sponsors. That includes our friends at Hemp Hill Services. Uh, still hot for most of the football season to start it off, and then it gets really cold here in the south. Uh, either way, for your plumbing, cooling, and heating needs, trust the name Birmingham Trusted since 19. 19- 54, that's Hemp Hill Services, 205-229-2090. 
229-2090. Hemp Hill Services, or you can just look them up online right there. And for our friends at Blakely's Bouquets, hey, always a reason to send flowers, right? There's a thousand of them out there. Maybe you just want to send them to coaches like Hugh Freeze and Deion Sanders for getting wins on their uh, debut at their new schools. Order online at Blakely'sBouquets.com, Blakely'sBouquets.com, or over the phone, 205-579-4900. That's 579-4900. Or in person at the full-service flower shop on Oxmoor Road. That's Blakely's Bouquet, Blakely'sBouquets.com. Tom Luganbill back with us. Let's go to Auburn first, Tom. Uh, as we uh, roll to the uh, top of the hour here, Monday morning live on this Labor Day. Atmosphere was great. Hugh Freeze gets the win, 49-14 over UMass. Robbie Ashford has a package in the red zone. Red zone Robbie, they were calling him. Uh, your <laughs> thoughts on Peyton Thorne, Hugh Freeze's debut before they head out for what could end up being an interesting game in Cal in Berkeley this week. Yeah, um, and we talked about this last week when, when they named Peyton Thorne, or two weeks ago they named Peyton Thorne the starter, you had to believe they were going to do this. And I thought they worked it in masterfully. I mean, it was, they were really efficient on offense. They looked prepared. Uh, 10 of 17 for Peyton Thorne just did what he needed to do. The packages of Robbie Ashford coming in there, which creates a huge problem because now you got to prepare for all of that stuff in short yardage. You got to prepare for all of that stuff in, in a red zone package. And there'll be more wrinkles coming off of that too. You, you watch. So uh, a little bit of running back by committee little bit of receiver by committee. So a lot of people seeing touches, a lot of people seeing the, the, the field. And I'm going to be interested to see, like, if there are household names that start to emerge, right? Who Who's going to be somebody that becomes, like, the go-to guy? Because that was one of the mysteries, I think, a little bit coming into the season with them is, all right, well, how, how are all the pieces of the puzzle going to fit together? You knew the quarterback play was probably going to be stable because that guy's coached good quarterback play everywhere he's been. And and you're right. What Cal did to North Texas was awfully shocking, yes. and they did it with their backup quarterback. Uh, so I was, uh, I, I'm intrigued to see how that plays out. Generally, and I've been there several times. That's not an overly hostile environment <laughs> to have to play in. Um, but uh, they're obviously Cal coming off of last year. Changed their offensive coordinator. Have made a, a, a complete. Uh, Taking a different uh, approach offensively looked really good against North Texas. Yeah, if you if you Auburn fans don't know, Cal beat North Texas with 58 points in that game. Jalen Ott, 188 rushing yards. If you don't know who their new offensive coordinator is, it's Jake Spavadal, who was the head coach at Texas State, who upset Baylor over the weekend. Uh, so Spavadal <laughs> can coach offensive football, but his old school brought in 51 portal players and pulled the upset of the weekend, Texas State over Baylor. So that's who Auburn has next late night out in Berkeley, but a good first game for the Auburn Tigers. I really love Justin Rogers pushing the middle for that defense. Elsewhere around the SEC, Luke's. Um, you had a couple of debuts at quarterbacks. Uh, uh, Georgia is being judged by Georgia standards now. Oh, the same way Alabama was being judged by Alabama standards for so long and probably still are. Uh, so when you're, when you're up at the half against Tennessee Martin, uh, and it's only 17 nothing. when it's 10 nothing late in the second quarter, you hear rumbling in the stands. Oh no, oh no, Carson <laughs> Beck. Uh, first of all, you try not to overreact. 
uh, in these sort of tune-up games in this situation. They didn't have to be ready in week one. There's a plan for Kirby Smart. But it was a slow start for Carson Beck's time replacing Stetson Bennett. And didn't we, I mean, didn't we kind of see this against, what, what was it, uh, Kent State or Akron or whatever it was last year, the year before? Seems like it. And it was, it was, what's that? Yeah, it seems like it was two years ago. Yeah. 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 And it's just, it was a little bit of a similar feel. Now, I thought the second half, Georgia looked fantastic. I thought that they really got into rhythm and not just Carson Beck, but Brock Vandergrift too. Um, you know, every single, the, the standard is so high for them now that, if they don't go out and it's not 48 to nothing at halftime, then they've done something wrong, right? It's, it's not good enough or what's wrong or, oh, we're, we're missing this area. We don't have, we don't have this. Oh, no. You know, it's sometimes getting to 47 or getting to 52 happens over the course of four quarters and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I've watched a lot of these type games in my life and I try to just uh, make sure nobody major gets hurt. Uh, and you don't, yeah. you don't drop a Louisiana Monroe, you get out and you learn from it. You improve, you play a lot of players and you move on to the next game. No doubt. Yep. And that's the way I felt about Georgia. Tennessee was a, a better named opponent, Virginia. Uh, but I don't know how good Virginia is going to end up being. It was just good to see them playing football after the tragedy in the offseason. But Joe sure. Milton was the focus of this Tennessee team and the new receivers. He threw for two. He ran for two. Uh, Joe Milton's debut. Your thoughts on him, Tom? Kind of did what I've expected and what we've seen from him, right? He had the big deep ball dropped, which was a shame because it was a beautiful throw. Oh. But then he'll also miss open guys, which is what he's done really throughout his his career. So I thought it was a a good start, not an elite start. I don't think Virginia is going to be very good. I came away really impressed with, with Tennessee defensively up front. I don't know how good Virginia is up front on that day. They did not look overly prepared and looked outmatched. But Tennessee was flying around. I thought they played uh, a pretty good game the longer the game went on. But It'll it'll be interesting to see with with Joe Milton. It's it's kind of similar to DJ Uyunglele the last two years. And by the way, he played really good yesterday for for Oregon State. Um, where you'll see an open guy and he he knows to throw it there, but there's there's no change in delivery. Like there, there's not a lot of nuance nuance. Everything's a fastball, and then you'll miss or he'll be high and so, some of those. Things. I think he's got to try and settle that down a little bit so he can be more consistent when guys are open uh in our Vulcan Tire and automotive chat room brandon how about a shout out for texas state just gave you one on that big win thatcher rocky top you'll always be tennessee checking in with us today um um, <laughs> um jeremy a uh, big big seminole fan this knoll is very happy with the start of the season still lots of room to improve you know that was that was the takeaway uh norvell afterwards he he says there's a lot this team can get better at. Sure. Florida State's a contender uh, for the playoffs to get back into the conversation. That's you know you'll keep up with this. The committee will uh, as we move throughout the year. You know best win so far. Best win so far belongs to Florida State. Yeah, and what the committee also does though, and you referenced it because they did this distinctly in 2014 with Ohio State was they value week to week improvement. They, they, they may see you as a team one week, but then they're going to look at what you are currently and they do play stock into that. And, uh, that's why it's important for LSU to get back on track 
And um, the big win for Florida State, obviously, it's a, it's a great uh, jumping off point. And then they got to go out and, and continue to take care of business because it looks like looks like North Carolina has improved uh, on defense fairly significantly. We know what they are on offense. Uh, we'll see Clemson tonight in the game that I have uh, against against Duke. So uh, still a lot. That, that's the thing, I think. And I know everybody likes to overreact or make knee-jerk reactions, but it's one week. It is one game, and it is a long, long season and so many different things, good and bad will take place during this season, things that we will not see coming. Cannot wait to see you and Clemson and Duke to wrap up what has been a great week one of college football. Not a great uh, slate, but it has had some big moments. We'll get to everything Mm -hmm. else we've seen coming up as we roll on here. Uh, Charles wants to ask you, and I'll give you a second to think about it, if you're Brian Kelly, you got grambling this week at home, and then a couple of tricky SEC games before September is over with. Well, How do you get LSU back on track? I'll ask uh, Coach Luganbill that question right after I tell you about our friends at MyBookie, our title sponsor for Monday Morning Live. As a better, you demand perfection, and MyBookie delivers. NFL, college football, and the brand-new cash-out system gives you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early, and use the funds on another. Bet or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Join the MyBookie family for the entire season, filled with odds boost, free bets, and super contests. This season has MyBookie a no-string-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick using the promo code next round. That's next round on a deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your MyBookie account. Bet your deposit amount once, and you're ready to cash out at any time again. That's promo code next round to claim your cash deposit bonus. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie, mybookie.ag. Okay, Charles's question for you from the chat room. You're Brian Kelly. Uh, he was very critical uh, last night. He says, we, uh, we, we were not the team I thought we were going to be. Uh, and he, and that's his history back in Notre Dame. He can be critical of his team, his locker room. Oh yeah. How do you, how do you pick up the pieces grambling this week? And then a couple of tricky SEC games in September. You don't panic. I, I think that's the thing they got. They got to preach consistency, preach the principles and the foundation by which they've prepped every day, prepped every week, what they do day in and day out. That can't change. You can't make deep, uh, wholesale changes. You can't freak out and, and, and lose it. Stay the course. And then I think something that stood out to me uh, last night in that game, particularly in the passing game, because Jaden Daniels threw for 347 yards but did not have a good completion percentage. They weren't overly efficient. And if you notice, there were an awful lot of times where Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors and others were not on the same page, whether it was the read, whether it was the route, whether it was the ball placement, there were missed opportunities. They were just out of sync for, for whatever reason. And I don't think any of us expected that because that offense had gotten so good late last year and had really kind of found itself. But there are some things right there that I think are really important is getting on the same page and don't panic. And for all Jaden Daniels does for you as a runner, I do think it's going to be smart, though, for them to try to incorporate and get some more production out of the run game that doesn't involve him. Okay, I want to ask you a thousand other questions in our final uh, 13 minutes here. So here we go. Uh, First off, Ohio State. Uh, Kyle McCord, 
uh, looked very, I uh, saw pedestrian was a word used, 20 of 33, 239, no touchdowns, no interceptions. I used this analogy with the guys over the weekend when we were chatting. I said, um, and they have these driving experiences where you are in Charlotte, uh, where you make your home in, at Talladega as well, where they'll put you in a race car, and some yeah. people can get out and drive on the track uh, at the same speed or close to it as the NASCAR drivers. And then there's people like me. The car is built to go 190, and I get out there and I go 110, and it looks slow. <laughs> Kyle McCord has a race car with those receivers and running backs, and he was driving at 110, it looked like. May not be his fault, but that was my uh, you know, fan eyes watching that game. Yeah, well, of all of the new quarterbacks that we've discussed coming into this season, whether it was who was going to be Alabama's quarterback, whether it was who was going to be at Georgia, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown at Ohio State, the Ohio State group was the one group that looked tentative and unsure. They did not have a lot of juice. So I didn't see a lot of energy and credit. Hey, Indiana came to play at least on defense. And I thought Ohio state was fantastic on defense. I think they're going to be a really good team too, but there was just something missing. I, I, and, and I don't quite know where to put my finger on it. I, I did think that they were a much better team coming out in the second half. I did believe that they, 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 they got more effective and productive on offense, but I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see them kind of figure it out with both of those guys and, and, and when they got Notre Dame, what, coming up in a couple of weeks? Yep. So they've got an opportunity. Youngstown is this week. So they have an opportunity to continue to see who does it. And, and I keep going back to Ryan Day saying in August when he would pull his coaching staff. And, like, it was right down the middle. Half the staff said we should go with Kyle. Half the other half staff, we should go with, with Devin. And maybe they just have a situation where they're they're both just kind of the same and one's not emerging but i did, i look i didn't feel when i was watching them like i felt watching alabama or peyton thorn or uh carson beck and, and brock vandergriff i didn't have that same feel coming away from it um, Bo Nix and Oregon, they put up 57 <laughs> points while Bo was in the game. They score 80, the first FBS team to score 80 plus since, uh, 2015. Uh, Portland State is Portland State. They've got an interesting game at Texas Tech this week, a team that lost in Laramie to Craig Bowles, Wyoming yeah. team. I was already circling that game. It was going to be fun. It's still dangerous for Oregon though, isn't it? Well, it becomes more dangerous, right? Because now Texas Tech is backed into a corner. Right, um, they're playing at home. Their quarterback used to play at Oregon, and uh, there's it's it's a dynamic that Joey McGuire's got to get the thing turned around quickly. But he's going to have a bunch of angry Red Raiders, right? So it's a little bit going into a little bit of a hornet's nest if you're Oregon. But yeah, Oregon. I mean, if if you want to talk about a group that won the weekend, it's the Pac-12. I mean, the, the Pac-12 ultimately won the weekend in terms of what they went out and did. Quarterback play was as advertised, and we're counting Colorado in that now, obviously, too, right? So the Pac-12 won the weekend. The one team we haven't touched on that I think, Jim, we need to because I know the opponent was New Mexico, but Texas A&M looked really good. Yep. Connor Wigman looked really, really good. The, the, the attempts downfield, the approach offensively, spreading people thin horizontally, 
It, it looked to me, just from somebody sitting back watching, it looked to me like Bobby Petrino was running that offense. Yeah, Texas A&M-Miami down in uh, Miami this weekend, 2.30 on ABC. Do you have your assignments yet for next week? You know where you're going yet? I do. I have Ole Miss at Tulane, Ooh. which I think is going to be really intriguing. It's actually one of the few, I think, maybe two or three matchups of the whole weekend that have two ranked teams going against each other. That's right. Um, Ole Miss and Tulane. Tulane got the big win over South Alabama when everyone yeah. was projecting a South Alabama upset. Didn't happen. How well? Do you see the quarterback play for both teams? Yes. I mean, I think they're, what, two incompletions or three between Jackson Dart and Michael Pratt? Um that I think that's going to be a, a lot of fun. I was I was kind of surprised, and I know it was Mercer, but I was a little surprised that there wasn't more uh, production in the run game from Ole Miss. I, I, I thought we you know we might see 150, 170 yards for Quinshaw Judkins, but uh, instead the focus may have just been on getting Jackson Dart rolling, and and they did that because I think what Lane Kiffin wanted to see was. I know he's talented, but he can't keep making these mental errors that have been killing us. And that kid went out and played lights out. If you put Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter into the Heisman conversation now with Caleb Williams, another big game. Michael Penix with Washington, 56-19 over a Boise team. I thought that was a potential upset. 29 uh, of 40 for 450 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Penix looked good there. Cam Ward looked fantastic for Washington State. And here comes Dante Moore. Uh, He wasn't named the starter, but he he came in to save the game in the win over Coastal, 27-13. That Pac-12, 13-0 to start the season here. The Pac-12 still unbeaten. A little tip of the cap from the Southland to the Pac-12. Because some of those were big wins. Colorado over a ranked team. Utah over an SEC team. Some of those were nice wins. Well, yeah, look at what Oregon State did on the road to San Jose State when you remember what San Jose State put on the field against SC and, and battled and, and competed. And so, uh, I, yeah, I, I just think that the, the league was really sharp. They were as advertised. Um, I mean, Utah had eight starters out, Jim, and uh, th- they are really good. I mean, they, I mean, and, that, that stood out to me as much as anything in, in that league is that, they're going to be a problem. And Penn State had a big win over West Virginia. Drew Aller oh, getting the start. I thought the, sh- the moment didn't look too big for him either. Not at all. And he's got really good players. They've got NFL players all around him. At least two tight ends, a wide out, two running backs, an offensive tackle, and then on the other side of the ball at all three levels. This is the best team James Franklin has had. And um, that's, that's big shoes. Phil. Sean Clifford may not have Drew Aller's talent, but that guy played a lot of football and played it very, very efficiently. And Drew Aller came out and he played the way his talent should dictate. Okay. Um, our final sprint to the end here, our little two-minute drill on our look ahead to games coming up this weekend. We've already right. talked a little about Texas and Alabama. It's brought to you by Simpio, and we started this project. Uh, we called Simpio. They, they handled payroll. They handled HR. They did everything. We wanted to get a paycheck two weeks into this. We had it with our friends at Simpio. If you're starting a business or if you're not happy with your payroll or HR situation as a small business owner, your, our friends at Simpio will, uh, help you out. Check them out online. Our friends at Simpio, uh, Texas and Alabama, um, Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy and company coming to town. What does Alabama fans, uh, give me one nugget real quickly. Alabama fans, if they could stop one thing, uh, wave a magic wand and get one thing to happen, will it be pressure on Quinn Ewers again? Will it be great coverage on, on the great receivers they have out there? What, what do they need to get done this week to beat Texas? 
Stop the run and make Texas one-dimensional. Make the entire game about Quinn Ewers. Um, it's a young running back group for Texas. One of them is a true freshman in, in Cedric Baxter, really, really good player. But there is no Roshan Johnson and there is no Bijan Robinson. I, I would really, if you can, if you're Alabama, the emphasis has to win on first and second down, make them one-dimensional, and get them in third and long. SMU with a win, Rhett Lashley looked pretty good there with a new quarterback on the road in Norman. SMU Oklahoma yeah. this weekend. Oklahoma, great debut there against Butch Jones and Arkansas State. What do you make of that game this week? Can Oklahoma, are they back? Um, I think Oklahoma made such significant improvements in the transfer portal and, at the, and in the recruiting class with freshmen that are contributing. And they made a statement. Um, and I think it was on purpose. They were going to, they were embarrassed last year. And so I think they're vastly improved. Um, Dylan Gabriel at quarterback better not let Jackson Arnold get the reins of that offense because that freshman is going to be a special player when his time comes at Oklahoma. Uh, the question now becomes versus SMU. SMU can score. SMU is a well-coached offensive football team. So I would be careful with them. It certainly ain't Arkansas State. And uh, Rhett Lashley will have his guys ready to play. I just don't know if they've got you know, the type of depth, if the thing turns into a track meet, they can just keep going back and forth. But we'll see, because I know they'll play good offensive football. And, and, and SMU defensively played well this week. Well, we talked a little bit about Texas A&M, Miami already, Ole Miss and Tulane. We touched on that one. That'll be Lugs' game next week. Uh, Oregon and Texas Tech, Auburn and Cal, those are big games. So, too, Nebraska and Colorado, a great uh, broadcast, 11 a.m. on Fox. They get the prime show again. And then here comes Notre Dame on ABC at 11 a.m., opposite of that game against NC State. Final 15 seconds. Irish 2-0 and as opposed to 0-2. They look a little different. Now they start to get tested a little bit. They do. And, and Brennan Armstrong and that offense at NC State is going to test them. And uh, I think that's going to be a really good game, an under-the-radar game. And uh, we'll we'll see what happens. You're right. Now now Notre Dame's going to start seeing some some teams that are an upper echelon in, in level of competition. Uh, he's Tom Lugan, Bill. Watch him on the broadcast tonight. Clemson and Duke wraps up uh, week one that this evening on ESPN. All right, Luke, thank you. We'll do it again next Monday for our week three show. Until next time, God bless you and God bless America. Remember, the next round starts at 9 a.m. Central Time live. Have a great morning, everyone.